Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Thursday, January the 9th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, our offseason preview stops by the best position group in Miami. We'll check in on the wide receivers in-house, in free agency, and in the draft. The most loaded class since the early 2000s at that position group. Plus, some more draft declarations. I'll give you my short list for the 18th pick in the draft and we'll explore the quarterback dominoes of the NFL this offseason all of that and more but first before any of it I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. leave us a rating leave us a review top 200 since the Patriots game we appreciate the support give me a follow on Twitter it's at Wingfield NFL voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter you can check out the show at Locked on Fins we'll follow you back and of course LockedOnDolphins.com where the quarterback, running back, and receiver previews are all up right now. That's another Miami Dolphins. We're going to go ahead and start this thing in the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. We took a look at the quarterbacks on Tuesday, the running backs on Wednesday, and today we stopped by the wide receiver room. You can find the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, and we start with the lead here to kind of cumulatively measure the wide receiver position this past season where... We came into the year thinking there was a lot of holes at this position group and maybe the Dolphins had to make a bunch of upgrades to the group this coming off season. But then we had guys step forward like Devontae Parker who etched his name near the top of so many franchise record lists with his 1,200 yard season. Preston Williams was on pace to beat the undrafted rookie receiving yardage record in the Super Bowl era before that knee injury halfway through the year. Albert Wilson looked healthy for the first time since last October. You have Alan Hearns who provided Miami with a quality quality slot option and so did Isaiah Ford down the stretch now there is one big decision in this group that lies ahead of the Dolphins this coming offseason, and it's regards to Albert Wilson. He's owed $9.5 million in cash next year with a cap hit right around that same number, and if you release the Port St. Lucie native, then he'll carry just a $1.3 million dead cap hit if you get rid of him. So the Dolphins could rework this deal to backload some money, maybe in the same fashion they gave Jakeem Grant his contract extension this summer to allow Wilson to prove that he's completely healthy from the hip injury, which He still is not there yet, but next year he should be. And he really came on down the final stretch of the season to prove to the Dolphins that maybe he could be an integral cog in this offense, especially given his versatility. We'll talk more about that in the coming segments. Parker and Williams are a budding perimeter tandem on the outside. I think Jakeem Grant offers a stark juxtaposition to their style of play as a backup off the bench. And of course, Williams, Hearns, and Ford all on the inside. But we start here with Devontae Parker, who caught 72 passes, just 56.3%, although a lot of the percentages are down from the first month of the season. Of course, 1,202 yards. He averaged 16.7 yards per catch and 9.4 yards per target. Those are both top 10 in the league. So were his nine touchdowns and his 1,200 yards. Everything he did was top 10 this year, except, of course, Pro Football Focus, who has the weird grading system. They gave him the 21st best receiver grade in the league. He played 909 snaps. That's 84% of Miami's total and was the only receiver over 50% on the Dolphins roster. 
And you probably recall my tweet from back in training camp when I said that Devontae Parker looks different this year, rocked up body. He put himself into the weight room and got himself onto a nutrition program to really make him stronger and smoother and more imposing. And we saw that. He came after some of the best cornerbacks in the National Football League. He was fifth in the league in receiving yards. And the 50-50 balls they threw to him were really more like 70-30, maybe even 80-20 because he had more mossings this year than anybody else in football. The last two games against the Bills and Patriots this season, he put up huge numbers on Tredavious White and Stephon Gilmore, two guys who were all pro cornerbacks first team this season, 14 targets amongst the two, 12 catches on the 14 targets for 199 yards. This dude has the of a premier number one receiver. And if he just stays committed, I think that's what he'll be. Preston Williams, I think could be that too. 32 catches, only 53.3%. Again, 428 yards, 13.4 yards per catch and 7.1 per target. What a great number that is for a UDFA rookie. He scored three touchdowns. His PFF grade was 67th out of 200 receivers. He took 404 snaps. That's only 37.5%. But of course, if he were healthy, he would have been a lot closer to Parker's number. And he was the number one receiver on this team prior to the injury and really started to break through in the post-buy portion of Miami's schedule. You go back to the Pittsburgh game or the Buffalo game, he was really getting free from a lot of good cornerbacks in that stretch, stacking guys, getting vertical. He did have some drop issues, but this guy can really sink his hips at the top of the route like a short, shifty slot receiver. He can get vertical and stack guys with acceleration. And he had that first round talent coming out. But of course, the off-field red flags turn him into a priority free agent. If he corrects the catches and gets back healthy from the ACL, this guy could be just as good as Devontae Parker. Xavier Howard told us that in camp. I think we saw that through preseason and into the season this year for Preston Williams. But first and foremost, just get healthy, dude. Don't rush that thing back. Get the ACL and let's go. Albert Wilson's up next. 43 catches, caught nearly 70% of his targets, 351 yards, good for 8.2 yards per catch and just 5.7 yards per target. He scored once. He was 123rd out of 200 receivers. He played 439 snaps. That's good for 40.1%. And he is electrifying when he's healthy with the football in his hands. We saw that back in 2018, and it took him basically all of 2019 to get back to full health and to full form. We saw him practicing off the side of the field during team portions and training camp doing shadow boxing, riding exercise bikes. It was a struggle for him. He tried to force it back, came back early, wound up getting hurt again, and then he came back late down the year and had that stretch of three games where really he was a focal point of the offense. He was shaking guys in the open field once again, and his ability to carry the football as a running back, to play inside as a slot, as an H-back, as an inline wide tight end even, and how much this offense loves to use fly sweep, jet motion, and pre-snap window dressing Wilson gives you the opportunity to really fool defenses and keep their eyes guessing as far as where to go and where the flow or the flow of the play is going because of his presence and all that pre-snap shifting. But of course, his contract is the biggest issue facing his status on this team. Hopefully he gets it done, a reworked deal to return to his hometown of South Florida. Jakeem Grant had 19 catches this year, 57.6% reception rate, 164 yards, just 8.6 yards per reception. He was the 127th graded receiver out of 200. He did not catch a touchdown pass, and he played just 217 snaps. That's 20% of Miami's total. And this coming season is going to be the biggest of Jakeem Grant's football career because he has teased us with potential throughout the course of his entire career, and there's an out in his contract after this coming season that can allow Miami to get out of his contract for just a $1.8 million cap hit. If they commit to him beyond that, they're going to be on the hook for a bunch more money. So 2020 is a huge year for Jakeem 
Akeem Grant. I talked about it in the lead. I think this guy is the perfect third perimeter receiver behind Williams and Parker. He could even start the season as your number two outside when Williams gets healthy from the ACL injury. And he also is the gold standard as far as return men in the National Football League. But he is better outside than inside. Most folks don't know that, but this guy is electric outside the numbers. That's where he runs his best routes. And it allows him to not be physically rerouted inside as a slot guy. Huge year for Jakeem Grant. Let's blow through the rest of these guys real quick. Alan Hearns, 47 catches, 68.1%, 416 yards, 13 yards per catch, 8.9 yards per target, two touchdowns. He was graded 160th out of 200 receivers on Pro Football Focus, 523 snaps. That's about half of Miami's offensive workload. And we thought he was a camp addition that might just be a body for the numbers game, but he earned that two-year extension in season because he reads leverage, he finds the soft spots and zones, and he presents a quick target to his quarterback. Quarterback. He was reliable for Fitzpatrick and he really trusted the receiver, but Hearns does have to clean up some drop issues he had this year. Matt Collins didn't have a stat to qualify. Gary Jennings, same story there. And then we have futures contracts for Andy Jones, TJ Roming, Terry Wright. The Dolphins' unrestricted free agent list at receiver is just Trevor Davis and restricted free agents Ricardo Lewis and Isaiah Ford, who had 23 catches this year for 244 yards, caught 65% of his passes, 10.6 yards per reception, 7 yards per target. He was graded 79th out of 200 receivers. He played 224 snaps this year. Again, 20.1% there. And I really think you can argue that his career in Miami was on the line prior to this final December call-up. He's out of practice squad options, so it has to be 53-man roster or bust. And he proved his worth down the stretch by catching 21 balls for 235 yards and one touchdown during those final four games on that call-up. And he really shored the physical gifts in short areas, strength at the catch point, and after the release of the line of scrimmage to really win those slot routes. And that's so imperative in this offense. So I would tab Isaiah Ford as a priority from the restricted free agent list just because he's going to be cheap and he'll give you good depth inside as a slot receiver going forward. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back and examine the veteran market. The draft market will predict what the 2020 wide receiver depth chart looks like. And we'll talk about some more guys that declared for the draft. Senior Bowl update, NFL draft update. We'll give you plenty more content here to come on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. I fear that because of Miami's sudden strength at the receiver position that we could see the draft class, the most loaded receiver draft class since pretty much any of us have paid attention to this stuff could let it go to waste because there are so many players that make sense for Miami, but the Dolphins already have six guys in-house that can get the job done. I think that is especially the case when you look at the free agent market, and we start here as we have all week long, taking a look at the guy. Who is the top target on the free agent market? Nice rhyme for the Miami Dolphins, and to me, it remains Emmanuel Sanders. I know he's 33 years old, but last I checked, points still count the same no matter how old you are when you score them on the field. He has game-breaking speed. He's one of the league's most new wants to route runners and he offers that inside outside versatility this program absolutely loves he'd be a great fit with Parker and Williams but I do believe the Niners have to make Sanders a priority free agent this offseason he really helped transform that passing game halfway through the season And after two years of having injury concerns, he played 17 games this year, which is funny because he didn't get a bye week after getting traded from Denver to San Francisco. I don't think Miami will pay the money required to get him, and I don't think he'll get free from San Francisco. But if he does, he's the top guy on the market. The more reasonable route? 
Philip Dorsett from the Patriots. Now, I still don't think free agency is the route to go here, but if Dorsett has a soft market out there, the Dolphins could look to bring back the former Hurricane. He plays outside four times as much as he does play inside, but he does have that versatility and again, speed from the slot is the key and of course his familiarity with his coaching staff. Nelson Aguilar is my sleeper and don't get mad at me. It's a reclamation project. I'm expecting a one-year buy-low type of contract because these are the kind of small gambles Miami will take as they go forward and Aguilar's had more tribulations than triumphs in his career and that's why you might be able to get him for super cheap. He plays almost even inside and outside so the versatility is there and he really demonstrated his potential in that 2017 season but through the other four years of his career he's been disappointing. Some other notable free agent receivers, A.J. Green, Larry Fitzgerald, Amari Cooper, top that list. Travis Benjamin from the Chargers. Robbie Anderson will be out there, but he's going to be expensive not to come back to Miami. Randall Cobb, Danny Amendola, Devin Funchess. It's not a great group. Again, I think Miami passes on that altogether. Now, they could pass on the draft too, but Man, this draft class is loaded at receiver at pretty much every single round you go up and down this draft. And we start with the guy. I changed my guy, my reasonable route, and my sleeper about 18,000 times, I think, today as I wrote this 2,000-word article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But the guy remains LaVisca Chenault, and I think this is more about fit than the best player for the Dolphins. He's a rich man, Albert's rich man's Albert Wilson. He's got that thick lower half that allows him to stay compact and get in and out of his breaks quickly. He shakes tacklers both in space and short areas. He played every single position this year for the Colorado offense. Jordan Reed of the Draft Network mentions this. H-back, tailback, inline Y, X, Z, slot, wildcat trigger man. He does everything and he does special things every single game. Check out the catch I put on the Locked On Dolphins article, the video up there that came from CJ Fogler on Twitter. So check out his video. All the video work is up in this piece, but Chenault would be a great fit here, but you're going to have to spend a first round pick. So do you want to do that? We'll see. The reasonable route here is Minnesota's Tyler Johnson. I've talked about him all year long. He's probably the best route runner in the class and he produced every single week, big time for that upstart program, the fighting flex out there in Minnesota. He's big enough to play outside, shifty enough to play inside and win with regularity. He catches everything, a complete vacuum. He has the intelligence and feet pairing to really allow him to excel in a site adjustment offense. 12 touchdowns last year, 13 touchdowns this year, over 1,100 yards both years, and he's not physically imposing, so he can use some pre-snap shifting and alignment to help him get off the release off the line of scrimmage, but he'll always be in the right place, and he'll work off leverage the way Ryan Fitzpatrick prefers a guy like Alan Hearns, for instance. Tyler Johnson is really good, but he could find himself down the draft board because of how deep this class is, and because he does not have the most physically gifted traits in the class. My sleeper, and I hate calling this guy a sleeper because he's so damn good, but Jalen Rager out of TCU is really, really, really explosive and a super athlete, kind of the opposite player of Tyler Johnson. He just relies on the natural athleticism and sheer explosiveness, has easy gas to blow by defenders, but also the quick twitch to separate quickly in short areas. He will fight the football and that leads to some drops, those concentration lapses, and lack of overall route tree experience in his game might make him something of a developmental player, but maybe that means he's a steal on day two. I don't think he'll get past the third round of this year's draft. My top 10 receivers, and this was so hard to do. I'm going C.D. Lamb number one and Jerry Judy number two. That will not change. To me, T. Higgins is special as well. He goes number three from Clemson. Henry Ruggs, Alabama.
Alabama, number four. I've got Chenault, number five. Johnson, number six. Justin Jefferson from LSU. You heard me rave about his game over and over again. He is another premier slot guy, but I think he's a top of the second round draft pick that Miami can't afford to spend that type of pick on. KJ Hamler from Penn State. Almost put him in the group as well, but I think he's a bit undersized. Jalen Rager, number nine. And Devin Duvernay from Texas rounds out the top 10. So just to recap the entire position group, I think that you're going to have to really challenge yourself as far as what the draft board offers you in terms of players available compared to what your needs on the roster are. This Dolphins team does need to find its Julian Edelman. I think they are set up on the outside for years to come with Devontae Parker having a criminally cheap four-year, $40 million contract on one side. Preston Williams on the other has an undrafted rookie contract for the next two seasons. They can probably get him back for cheap as well after that. You got Albert Wilson, Alan Hearns, Isaiah Ford inside. They all have value and different traits to offer this team. So to me, I think the only way you go after a receiver in the draft class is to take a guy on day three who maybe shouldn't be there and gets pushed down because of how deep this class is. But even then, I can't project that. So I'll just go ahead and say Devontae Parker is your number one receiver this year. Preston Williams is the sidekick. The slot would be Albert Wilson, who comes back on a reworked contract. And then we have three guys off the bench with a six deep receiving core in Jakeem Grant, Isaiah Ford, and Alan Hearns. So no changes to the receiver group unless we find value on day three. Let's make a hard transition now back into the draft and take a look at two more players that declared on Wednesday, or at least one player who declared and another one who sounds like he is leaning towards that direction. Rumors say that he will come out of college. And we start with the surefire pro, the guy that put his name into the draft hat on Wednesday. Antoine Winfield, the safety slash cornerback slash slot slash linebacker slash edge for Minnesota. He plays everywhere on the defense and it's going to be disingenuous to pigeonhole players on this Dolphins defense. We heard Patrick Graham last year at training camp say that he doesn't use position distinctions when he draws up plays on the whiteboard. He just uses X, X, X because you can play anywhere because that's the beauty of this defensive scheme. It's so versatile and so complex and so adaptable that the more guys you have that can do multiple things, the better you're going to be and the more flexible it makes the scheme. And he also has the pedigree and the lineage. We know Antoine Winfield for the Buffalo Bills and Minnesota Vikings was one of the greatest tackling linebackers of all time, or linebackers, cornerbacks. There was a great quote from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald where he asked Brian Flores about what he prefers at defensive backs. And Flores specifically mentioned Antoine Winfield Sr. as his favorite player of all time because while he was small, he did not play like it. He was physical, he tracked the football, and had ball skills. And that goes back to a comment I got from Patriots beat writer Evan Lazar back, I think, in the summer last year when I asked him, what do you think Brian Flores prefers the most at the cornerback position? And he said, tackling, number one, first and foremost. Number two, tracking the football. And three, ball skills to play the football in the air. And to me, it would just be so fitting for the Dolphins to wind up getting Antoine Winfield at pick number 18 with the Pittsburgh Steelers pick that came over for Minka Fitzpatrick because Winfield is going to be what Minka was supposed to be and he'll be better at it playing all over the defense and he won't bitch and complain about it. The other potential draft target that put his name into the ring, or at least through rumors from third-party sources and second-party sources, was left guard out of Tennessee, Trey Smith. This dude is a mountain of a man. 
To me, he's a top 15 pick all day long if he just played through college without any concerns as far as his medical go. And we're not talking about broken legs or soft tissue issues. He had blood clots in his lungs two different times. So the risk is there. And he was the number one overall prospect, not offensive line prospect, number one overall prospect coming out of high school. He only practiced in contact periods this year twice because of the issue that he came back from in late August. And Tennessee changed the way they held their practices with walk throughs incorporated into the physical portions of practice just to get Trey Smith involved. And if you're willing to do that for your left guard, it tells you how special he is. He is a people mover. Guys bounce off of him. He ragdolls them all the time. I think you look at he and Makai Becton at Louisville, and you could conceivably draft both of these guys and wind up with the two biggest, most imposing offensive linemen in this entire class and have them make up the left side of your offensive line for the foreseeable future. Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network and the Dolphins Wire said that a good spot for Trey Smith would be the Dolphins' late second round pick, the one from New Orleans, number 56. So if that's what he says, that's what we'll go with. All right, we'll take our last break here on this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We're going to come back with the short list for the 18th pick, talk about some more declarations, a senior bowl assignment for a senior quarterback, and the quarterback dominoes that have to fall this offseason ahead of the Dolphins possibly getting their guy into a tongue of Iloa. All of that and more next here, Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Searching for something, something never comes, never leads to nothing, nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize. Feels like all of our lives we've been searching for a quarterback to really carry the torch from Dan Marino, and we're getting close to the end of that rope. Could it be Tua Tungavailoa? Could it be a free agent? Could it be someone else in the draft? We are just three months away from finding all of that out. I gave you the short list for the fifth pick in the draft earlier this week on the podcast. And now I want to give you my short list for pick number 18 for the Miami Dolphins, the pick that came over for Minka Fitzpatrick and the Pittsburgh Steelers trade. And we start with a guy we just talked about. To me, Antoine Winfield is not going to be in the top 50 on a lot of draft boards you see right now, but that never means a lot. Last year, I advocated for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and he played like an all-rookie player this year. And he was a third or fourth round pick for the Saints. He could have been a first rounder very easily. I feel the same way about about Winfield. And I already talked about his game in the previous segment, so we'll move on to the next guy. Kalevon Chason, he is a stand-up backer slash outside edge player in this defense. Could probably play six-tech, seven-tech, stand-up two-point stance linebacker from LSU. He's a pretty good-looking pass rusher. Long arms, can hold the point of attack off the edge. I like his game a lot. Another edge here I like, Yatir Gross-Matos from Penn State. He's a different player than Chason because he plays the five-tech and in, whereas Chason plays the five-tech and out. Gross-Matos can really win inside as a two-tech, as a three-tech, a two-eye, maybe even over the nose rushing inside in nickel pass rush situations. He can also defend the run very well as an edge defender. The quarterback, Jordan Love, I think he's long gone by this point, but he's on the short list for that pick as well if you can't get Tua at number five. Christian Fulton, the LSU cornerback, might be the best press man cover corner in this class. He fits the system very well that way. Xavier McKinney, another safety from Alabama, probably safety 1B for me behind Win 
Winfield. He is rangy, instinctive, plays in the box, can do a lot of stuff for you in that Nick Saban defense. Really, there are a ton of good options for this spot. Could be a good spot to trade back to because of all those options available for you there. I just listed. I think you don't go towards a tailback. You don't go towards a receiver. Those values are better later on. I like a bunch of offensive linemen. I like Raekwon Davis and I like Javon Kinlaw, but I think all those guys are better suited to be selected with the Houston pick at the back end of the first round. And maybe an option for the last pick of that first round from Houston could be a guy we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit. Jake Fromm surprisingly declared for the NFL draft on Wednesday. He will leave Georgia after his junior season. Very good career for him there. Bit of a down year this season. I've seen a lot of draft pundits saying that it's a good decision because he was not going to improve in that system, in that scheme, and they're probably right. I still think higher of Jake Fromm than most. Very astute quarterback, very accurate quarterback. Has more velocity in the tank, I believe, than what he's shown us enough scramble ability to make enough plays off script. I think he's going to be a nice fit for somebody probably on day two more so than the first round. And Justin Herbert put his name in the hat for the senior bowl. That senior bowl quarterback list is full of big time prospects. We know now that Justin Herbert will head that group of players down there in Mobile. And that puts us into our final segment of the podcast, the quarterback dominoes. And I hinted at this segment on yesterday's show talking about Cam Newton, who I think is the first domino that really has to fall. And really, regardless of where he goes, I think it's going to wipe out one of the teams in consideration to possibly beat Miami to the punch with regards to Tua Tungavailoa because I think the teams that are in consideration for Cam Newton could be the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, he stays home. That, to me, makes the most sense. Again, he was the most important player in that franchise's history. It's not as easy as just severing ties with him, I don't imagine. I think the Los Angeles Chargers make a lot of sense because Cam, as we know, is a little bit into the fashion side, into the hip scene that it is from Los Angeles. That could be a good pairing for him to really kind of kick off the new era of Charger football in the post-Philip Rivers era and make them more Hollywood. I can't imagine the Jacksonville Jaguars are a destination for Cam Newton. Maybe Las Vegas, that could make some sense too. Another new stadium, another big-time quarterback to open that building. I think Chicago is the best possibility if he leaves Carolina, but that does not help Miami because Chicago is not in threat or in position to be a threat to come up and get Tua. Some other guys on this list, we know about Tom Brady. Does he stay in New England? Does he jump somewhere else? I think if he jumps, the Los Angeles Chargers again makes sense because Giselle, his wife, a supermodel, would make sense in Los Angeles, and he can go back closer to home in California. That leaves Philip Rivers. Where does he go? It seems like the end of the line for Rivers in Los Angeles. Does he make a jump somewhere? Maybe Indianapolis makes sense, I think, for Philip Rivers. And the Colts are kind of a dark horse to trade up and go after a quarterback aggressively, or they just sign Philip Rivers and call that good. Teddy Bridgewater, the other big free agent name to fall. Again, I think the Colts make a lot of sense here. He could go back to New Orleans, but if someone else wants to sign him, a team in the middle of that first round that can't quite get the top quarterbacks in the draft, maybe that's Las Vegas, maybe that's Indianapolis. Indianapolis, one of those teams that needs a push at the quarterback spot to get over the hump. In essence, we need Detroit, the Los Angeles Chargers, Carolina, and Jacksonville to make decisions that take them away from Tua Tungavailoa. And on that note, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on the Move the Sticks podcast, one of the best podcasts there is out there, especially with football. They made a note on their previous show about the Lions possibly targeting Tua Tungavailoa and trading off Matt Stafford. And they mentioned that trade of Stafford starts with two first round picks. He mentioned, Jeremiah did, that Las Vegas makes a lot of sense for Matt Stafford to go there, and it would start with their 12th pick in the draft and their 19th pick in the draft. That's a high price to pay for a quarterback like Matt Stafford, who I still think
still think is a second tier level quarterback, but you consider the first round draft picks and the salary he requires. That could be a big domino to fall. But if that happens, Detroit at number three might go after Tua and that would be scary. Even though I do believe that Patricia and Bob Quinn cannot afford to draft a player at number three that doesn't play this year. So very interesting dynamic there. And I also mentioned Las Vegas several times. Where does Derek Carr go? He's also a domino that has to fall. It's going to be a fun, fun offseason. And tomorrow's episode of Locked on Dolphins will be fun as well as we take your Twitter questions on the Friday podcast. But as for today's show, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up. I feel the most Feel it come to life when I see your ghost